You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech, where albums got sliced into singles, which got sliced into samples. And then someone took the songs and turned them 90 degrees and sliced them the other way into stems. And then they gave them to children to play with, like video games or science experiments of the ears. And at the same time, payments got sliced into pennies and then parts of pennies. And now everyone's trying to turn those micro pennies back into fat checks. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm the founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a music tech and Music Tech PR firm. And I'm also the director of the Music Tectonics Conference coming up October 28th and 29th in Los Angeles. On today's show, we're gonna dig into the seismic shift. Music is being sliced into smaller and smaller pieces. And we have our first five city podcast interview going on here today. Um, I'd like to introduce you to our guests. We've got Bill Gagnon with Universal Music Group. How are you, Bill? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you from Santa Monica. Uh, we've got uh, Sarah Janiszewski with Jammer. Did I get your name right, Sarah? <laughs> close. Janeski. Janeski. Yes, close. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. know, lots of extra letters. And you're in New York City? Yes, sir. Happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being here. And Frank, I'd say Ostevold. What would you say? Uh I would say Estival in Norwegian, but Estival in uh, English, so you pretty much oh. spot on. All right. With Oid, and you're in Bergen, Norway. Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And finally, Dave Park with Song.ai. How's it going, Dave? Doing well. Glad to be here. Representing Northern California, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so cool to have all of you here um, and to, to have the the um the systems all systems go here with this conversation so bill let's start with you uh, how is universal music group working with startups and innovators um i mean universal a few years ago recognized that we need to find ways for growth in the digital um, space from um in addition to our existing services so we got very proactive at working uh in the um, startup space there's a, a gentleman named Tuheen. Roy, who heads up our digital innovation area, and he has a team. and And what they've done is they've went out and built up a network of partnerships um, to enable engagement with entrepreneurs. Um, it's a global type of setup that they have. I think over the last couple of years, they've established um, partnerships with ten separate accelerators around the world. Um, I think they've put something like sixty-five to seventy companies through those. Um, accelerator programs. They sponsored a number of hackathons, um, resulting in over 150 new prototypes that they've developed. So, what they're trying, we're trying to do is is get out there where entrepreneurs and innovators are in the music tech space, and and try to guide them into kind of de developing differentiated new music products for the future. Gotcha. What 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 drove uh, Universal to get this to this place with the innovation team? What's the philosophy as it relates to where the music industry has been and where it's going? I mean, the the, the overall philosophy is, is that you don't really know where the next great idea is going to come from. I mean, there's a, a thought that it's going to be in Silicon Valley, and certainly the odds would um, suggest that. But if you look at the two biggest recent ideas in music tech, one came from Stockholm, Spotify, obviously, and then and probably um, Shenzhen with uh, TikTok. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're out there kind of scouring the globe and trying to find a, um, 
the next opportunity. And it's just, it's not really finding the opportunity. I mean, that's, that's part of the overall um, process, but it's also working closely with the entrepreneurs and try to help them get up to speed and get running and uh, with some type of platform of where can we aid and kind of facilitate um, this type of activity and to help a small company get up and running. So that's, that's, that's cool. What, what does this look like on a, on a daily basis for you? What is, what is your work and your team's work look like? I mean, we've, we've set up some, a formalized program um, to a certain extent um, to, to do this. And how do we manage these re- uh, relationships? How do we tap into the various uh, innovators that we're running into throughout the, uh, the world? You know, it starts really with education and how do we engage with these um, uh, the various uh, stakeholders. Um, how do we engage with the tech industry? Do we do it through hackathons? We have an accelerator network that we built. We give these people access to tools and um, so that they can get up and running. So like more from the education standpoint, it's sometimes it's as simple as these are like entrepreneurs and, and tech guys, and they're new to the music business to a certain extent. So sometimes it starts out a lot of times with the music 101 session. There's master rights, there's copyright. How does A&R work? You know, teaching them some of the basics to help them move along in the journey. We do a lot of mentoring with um, companies. Um, for example, Capital Records, they have a Capital 360 Innovation Center, and that they use that as a testing ground and do lots of education with companies. We do, we're doing ideation with innovation challenges around the world. Um, we're at the Sonar Festival in Barcelona this summer. We go to South by Southwest. We tap into universities around the world. We've done some stuff in uh, University of Sao Paulo in Brazil, Ryerson University in Toronto. We've done some work in Mexico. Um, we have an incubator, Abbey Road Red, which operates out of the Abbey Road Studios in London, and they do a lot of mentorship and business development with companies. Um, and, that, and then we have accelerators that we work with, Capitals working with Chi Beta, Music Tech, and a Motown accelerator in, in Detroit to get ideas. Um, Lean Square um, is another accelerator we're working with in Belgium. We have an accelerator in Korea and in Spark Labs that we're working with, and there's a few others. So, um, you know, we're really just trying to circle the wagons and do as much as we can to, to really help accelerate the whole innovation process. It's really interesting to hear because if you read the music trades and, and have for a while, you know, it seemed like there was a there was a challenge in getting up to speed with a shift to digital with streaming. And I think a lot of people form their um, vision of what larger labels are, have have done in that world and haven't realized that a lot has changed since Napster or even since uh, iTunes and, and, and the introduction of Spotify. So it's really interesting to hear that you're doing that much stuff in so many different places around the world. Well, partly because so many things have, have changed so rapidly. I mean, it's a big socialization process so well about, you know, educates, educating the whole ecosystem about where we're going and what, and, and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, so this is interesting that you've um, taken a dive into the STEM-related apps, which is the kind of uh, a strong piece of our, our conversation in this episode. Um, you know, I kicked off the episode talking about how music's been sliced into smaller and smaller pieces, and I really do believe that, you know, there was a, a period for the album, and then when things shifted to downloads, um, there was a, 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 a kind of a decomposing of the album into singles and so we saw I mean we've seen that in different moments in time too there were even singles put out on CD and cassette at times I remember those cassette singles uh, for a minute 
and and uh, and of course even you know 45s for, for that matter so in different moments singles have kind of played a role partly related to the formats like radio um but then again you know with with itunes i think you know that was where the album was deconstructed as well and people felt like they could buy a single without having to have a full album so that was one of the ways in which music got sliced into smaller, smaller pieces. And I think it's just inherent in digital music that you have more flexibility in what the format is um, and the the modularity and granularity of, of the formats as well. But you guys um, have, have hit upon these, these STEM-related apps. And, and for any of our listeners who don't know, STEMs are the individual tracks that make up a song. So if you want to pull out the drums or the bass or the guitar, the vocals, the keyboards, whatever it is, um, and then... With, with uh, some of these companies you're working with, which we'll get into here, you can then do different things with those being able to separate those pieces. I'm curious, how did you get involved with these STEM-related apps and platforms? I mean, it's, it's, it's your kind of, um, you kind of laid out in your discussion there. It's kind of the evolution of the next step, really, with the consumer, you know, when fans really want to engage deeper with the music and get a, more of a lean-in experience, um, and we're seeing a number of use cases just bubbling up from uh, from what we're seeing out in the marketplace. So, I mean, that's really what's kind of driving us to get in, involved is there seems to be demand that is happening. I mean, and it's, it's coming in a number of segments. I mean, I think like remixing is probably the, one of the easiest ones to to see as you have the individual components of the song. So now people at home can, you know, play remixer. There's DJing elements of it. There's some uh, gamification um, that's happening because you're able to kind of provide the, the music in this type of way. And then there's a number of educational choices where people can, you know, learn to play along with a, with a, a band or along with a song um, and learn their uh, an instrument of choice. So, I mean, we're seeing that happen around us and there's apps that are developing that are taking those components and, 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 almost putting them on steroids and doing a lot of other um, interesting things. I think some of the people you're going to talk to will probably talk to, but there's some apps that have lyric interfaces, chord structure, sheet music, biographical information, you know, stories about how the song was created. There's, there's lots that you can do. I mean, the possibilities are, are really endless. Yeah. And you know, you bring up a good point that, that we've um, talked about a bit on the podcast, which is another seismic shift I refer to as creation and engagement intermingle. That in the past, it seemed like there were music listeners who were basically audiences, and now they're becoming more like active participants. And uh, I can see why you're saying these STEM approaches allow fans to get inside the songs they already love or, you know, or create songs and then play with the stems in, in another way as well. Um, so I do see that as uh, a larger pattern that people are um, not just listeners, they're engaged as sometimes it's with the creators in the sense of like a Patreon or, or something where where uh, fans are supporting in a new kind of way with micro patronage and that they're interacting with the creators and the artists along the way, whether it's in the form of patronage, but also sometimes influencing the direction of a song or a video. There's those crowdsourced videos and things like that. But in this case, f- fans are actually getting inside the, the songs. Um, so that that's pretty interesting. Um, so maybe let's 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 open it up to some of our other folks on the line. Um, Sarah, what why don't you tell us about what what Jammer is, um, what what uh, what you do? Sure. Um, so Jammer is an interactive music app, and we create an environment for fans to put their own spin on songs from major artists. Um, we work side by side with our partners like Universal Music Group, um, 
And then we circle back with the labels on what the release might look like and what the marketing will look like. But basically, like you touched on, it's just a way for fans to unlock the song, transform from passive listeners to hyper-engaged music makers. And for Jammer specifically, we have an intelligent soundboard and fans are able to actually play the song um, through our tiles and tap and manipulate the song in a way that makes it feel like they're doing their own thing. So it's a mobile app, right? Phone or, or tablet? Yes iOS only right now. Yeah. And so it's got these little circles and squares and what, so what happens when you first come into the app? What do you, what do you see? What do you do? So when you land in the app, you're in the Jammer store. So we function like a DSP, a digital music service. So, um, what we do is, uh, we have, you know, like featured, featured boards and fans can go into the board. They get to preview the song or they can purchase it if the songs for purchase and they, will trigger different samples of the song. So the loops, the circles, um, are generally like the backing instrumentals. And then one shots, which are the the uh, squares that you see on the soundboard, that will trigger, you know, specific vocals or a specific guitar riff or, or whatever. And um, what we do is we try to bring all the components together to make it feel like just like a natural conversion of the song into an interactive version of it. So you're always mixing stems from within one song, not from song to song and jammer. Right. Yeah. There's no uh, crossing over between songs yet. <laughs> um, that would be very complicated, I think, with rights. But right now it's you are in the song and you um, you would be doing like, a. and I think we'll probably talk about this later, what our models are like, but it's an a la carte download purchase per song for you to have unlimited access to the song. Actually, I was going to ask you that. So, yeah, go ahead and explain the business model. So you can purchase one song that you can then, it becomes a game of its own in a way. Right, yeah. So I'm, what we try to do is we offer a 60-second preview of the song. So that way the the fan can get to experience it a bit and play with it. And then they get prompted to either purchase or they get timed out and have to come back an hour later and can preview it again. But we do have some some songs that are for free. It's based on, you know, maybe there's a promotion that the label wants to do for a little bit. So we might make a song free for 24 hours. Like maybe we're doing a contest with an artist and a label. Um, so fans can really um, just go in and play with it and, you know, participate in the contest. Or it's a 99 cent purchase. Otherwise, if it's not free. Gotcha. So, so how far along are you in terms of engagement and where do you see this going in the coming year or so? Um, so engagement's been interesting because we've seen a lot of different ways that people are using Jammer. Um, so for instance, uh, we have a lot of Ariana Grande music on the app. And for somebody who's an incredible vocalist like her, we've actually seen a lot of user-generated content of fans just isolating her vocals. Um, we've seen what happens if a fan tweet goes viral with their making uh, UGC from Jammer board. And then other fans are jumping in and trying to participate as well and showing their jammer creations. And um, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of different use cases, like where I feel like all I'm doing is making case studies <laughs> these days um, because it's so new and people are still figuring out how to use it. What is this? But it, it's been interesting so far. And also in terms of engagement, we it's not surprising, but if an artist posts about uh, their song being on Jammer, you know, it's generally like to their fans, which is a more lean forward, best case scenario for us in terms of marketing. So, uh, okay. So we didn't talk about this in the business model, but so people aren't just playing with these songs within the app. They're then sharing them out, which is simultaneously creating this social engagement in internet land and 
maybe bringing attention to both the song and the artist and the co the new co-creator if you could call him that you're probably not supposed to call him that but <laughs> yeah uh, we've been trying to figure out what we we call this music maker that is the fan now um uh, but yeah so it's for us um we what we do is we try to provide marketing assets for the artists to share out to their fans as as a way to spread the word and get it out there that they're on jammer um but in terms of UGC, so generally, like we're trying to keep things within the app, um, you know, and also from a rights perspective, but uh, fans are figuring out ways to, you know, um, to share what it is that they're doing. And we have links that you can, um, like some songs are able to actually save what it is that you're doing. And then you can share out the link of whatever it was that you saved for somebody to come back into the app. Wow. And then does that generate additional revenue for the original rights holders, the, the label and the, uh, and the publisher? Yeah. So that's a feature that you have to actually purchase the song in order to be able to do it. Um, so yeah, so it's generating more. But those links still live inside Jammer. So they're, yes. they're not, yeah. the music's not going out into the wild on Facebook or Instagram or anything. No, but I mean, there's, you know, fans have learned to like screen recording and such. Um, and we there have been some instances when we're doing you know some type of uh, special promotion with the artist where we're doing a remix contest with them and it's it could be living on Instagram, um, but yeah, generally we try to encourage everybody to do everything within the app. Got it. Let's let's uh, Dave. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what uh, Song.ai is? How does that work? So uh, Song.ai is a virtual talent platform that puts the fan in the band. Uh, it enables anyone to play any song on any instrument expertly and improvisationally through simple touch and motion. Gotcha. So it's also it's also tablet based. It is uh, iOS only. Okay. For the moment. And so, since people just heard about Jammer, what's different about Song AI? Well, Jammer's in the market. Song AI is pre-release. Uh, you know, we're uh, onboarding music and closing deals with different rights holders at this point and working through the last cycle of uh, uh, engineering and development on the product. But in terms of, you're talking about in terms of what's different in the the way the user works with it? Yes, exactly, the user Got experience. It. <clears throat> so um, it's, we have a clean screen approach. So, um, I mean, our assumption is that, you know, most people are music fans, but most music fans are not musicians. They've never heard themselves play music well. Um, and so uh, you have to make it super, super easy, uh, sort of rethinking the, the interface. Uh, and in our case, you know, the, the underlying technology basically interprets all touch and motion in ways that are uh, faithful, not just to the right chord or key, but literally faithful to the style of the artist and song at a language level. So uh, when you launch the app, um, you, you know, you select a song to play. It works just like a like an iTunes of interactive. Um, you know, the app is going to be free. You'll select a song. It'll have instruments assigned to each of the different tracks, um, and you can literally just the song will start playing, and all you have to do is touch the screen. And however you touch the screen, all uh, tactile or touch input and motion uh, is interpreted in ways that are that are uh, faithful to the style of the song so and so it feels a little bit like you're soloing with an instrument from the band even if you don't know how to play the instrument right i mean and this is uh, you know i mean 
to most people, I mean, I'm a musician and, you know, there are a lot of other musicians out there, obviously. Um, but most people who love music are not musicians. And, you know, this, it's a little bit like finding a new voice where they can express themselves, you know, in a way that they were never able to before. And so, you know, what, um, what we've seen is that, the, you know, the people have something like a transformational experience when they hear themselves play music well for the very first time. Um, I've actually seen adults cry because they love music so much and it means so much to them, but they've, they've never had that ability to express themselves that way. That's awesome. I, I feel like people have so often pointed to the shift from physical to digital or from commercial to piracy as the biggest change in the music industry. But I frequently feel like it's uh, this um, ability for more people to have access to the tools of creation that has changed even more and will continue to change even more uh, than, than, than the concerns that, and maybe that's just because we made it through the piracy years right. <laughs> that it feels that way. Right. That's cool. Cool. Um, I'm going to bring all of you back into a conversation, but first, um, Frank, tell us about OID. How does that one work? So um, OID is an interactive platform built around stems, obviously, and um, it has various features uh, like a traditional mixer interface. We have designed what we call a sound space where you're able to control volume up and down, but also pan left to right. So you can kind of, you know, you know, do your own mix and create your own sound space. Um, we have a visualization of what happens where on each individual stem, um, kind of like a, uh, a, a audio wave. And then um, if the song has a video, we also have the visual component of showing the video while you play around with the stems. We have a display of the lyrics and chords for sing along and play along. Um, we can also sync the sheet music with these stems. So you, if you, for educational purposes, and we also have a digital booklet. So it's kind of a, uh, a lot of featured combined into one package around an individual song. Yeah, it's interesting because when Bill showed me OID, it definitely felt like I was diving into a previous era of liner notes in a whole new interactive yeah. way where I felt felt like it was like not just reading the liner notes and touching them and smelling the vinyl or whatever, but also like messing with the music, but in a way that was very, um, it was very much felt like I was exploring rather than creating, which was kind of interesting. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's, it's developed with the respect of the original song and uh, our ethos is step inside music and we wanted to kind of respectfully create a platform where you can, you know, take a dive into a song that you really love. Uh, and I think that it, you know, it fits a lot of purposes. I think it can inspire kids and musicians to create new things for themselves. And I, you know, the whole idea of, you know, repurposing original masters, if you like, and, and, I think you know that that it it as I said fits a lot of purposes for for music lovers. What's the business model for Oid? How do how do people um, spend money on this? Well, um, so it's um, it's an app, uh, both iOS and Android. 
you download it for free and there are uh, free songs and free content on there so you can kind of get a feel for the experience and then you purchase individual songs at a price from 199 and upwards depending on 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 the build of the song what features it includes and also we have uh, then in-app purchases on the songs for sheet music etc and how are you seeing people use it so far are you seeing mostly super fans treating it like deluxe liner notes or are you seeing artists uh you know students of music wanting to play music by their favorite people in a new engaging way or what, what's it look like well again it's you know we've been around for some time uh we did some early testing in in the nordics in 2015 but but still it's i would say it's early days um uh, for for the stem for the stem platforms uh, we see that again it fits a lot of purposes and and uh, from the testing we did with a fairly young demographic uh, audience in Norway in 2015 we saw a lot of of, of teenagers uh, use the feature where they could sing along so so the lyric display was important uh, we see that just deep listening to to individual stems creating your you know with stems you can also kind of change the mood of the song um and and we see that resonated with a lot of people when we focus around that catalog experiencing songs in a in, in a different new way you know experience a song that you love for the first time being able to to create your own mix so and and then obviously the educational feed uh uh, feature so there's you know we it, it you know we need to focus but we're, we're trying to be be something for everyone what do you mean you can change the mood of the song well uh, you know you could kind of uh take a uh um you could take like a full band song where you could maybe just remove the bass and drums or or the loud guitars and and then you have uh, suddenly you've turned it into a more acoustic bass track um so you could you know it opens up for you can you know create your own version of the song basically gotcha sounds like fun i need to play with this um bill what what have you learned about fan interaction engagement so far as you've seen these kind of these apps roll into the marketplace i, I want to um I'll, I'll answer that but i just want to make a comment about what frank was saying on for oid and i think dimitri you were mentioning that kind of harking back to the liner notes and that, but I was demoing um, the, the um, rapper Logic, the song Keanu Reeves for Def Jam last week and, you know, for more contemporary type of content. And just, it was so cool about how you could kind of solo out some of the instrumentation and kind of rap along and see the lyrics. And, and there, then um, the group was really impressed by by seeing that and really, I mean, when you see these apps, you kind of really get it. Sometimes kind of describing it, it's difficult, but when, once you see see it in person, you like, you get that wow moment and you're like, this could be really cool. So I just wanted to kind of add that, but to add, to answer your question about what we're seeing with engagement, I mean, one of the things, how I try to draw, I draw parallels a lot of times to this is, think about what happened in the visual space. It used to be, to be a photographer, you had to have, formalized training, expensive equipment to kind of really capture what you wanted to capture. 
And then all along came the smartphone and apps that kind of provided access to tools. And all of a sudden, it made people creators and they could tap into their creativity. And we have a whole generation of, you know, artists really that are that are growing up with all these camera apps and and that and, and what we see. And in music, I, I truly believe that fans want to create and they want to do more. And we as an industry really haven't provided them the tools. And this is kind of the first wave of tools that are coming through where we're really going to be able to tap into people's creativities and help them and enable them to be um, creators on a relatively simple basis. Now, are they going to be the next U2 in this? And I, I'm not saying that, but it allows people to kind of get up to speed and actually have some fun and engage with the music in a different level. So, you know, that kind of engagement is is something that's just, it's it's super important. It's funny, I ask you about fan interaction and engagement, and the first response is about label interaction and engagement, which I think is actually pretty cool because what you're saying is there's also a phase where the music industry has to get on board too. And, uh, you know, most people at labels are fans, you know, so... That's true. Yeah. And that was a cool example because, yeah, I, I did kind of make it sound like, oh, yeah, you dig back into these old records and you get to dig in and you're like, yeah, it's not just old records either. I mean, it, it's it can be, um, you know, new releases, too. And, and Sarah, you sort of talked about the kind of the role of Jammer in helping people plan the marketing of a release. Is that what you were sort of getting at? Yeah. And luckily, we've had a few labels that have really wanted to experiment with us and and play with us. And they see it as a cool, different way to market the song, especially um, like for for these apps, when you're playing with it, it makes the song sticky. Um, And so I think they're trying to figure out also like how how we can fit into their release plans and what they can do with us. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely talking to the labels. you know, sending them proposals. Here's, here's like, you know, what we would suggest for this. And some of them are actually down to do it. It's so interesting. There's like a pendulum that swings between create your own (laughs) app, create your own app, create content in this existing platform and back and forth. You know, I remember, you know, it was a solid, like four or five years ago, it seemed like, was it that long when, when some artists were making their own interactive apps and then everyone was like, that's too expensive. We're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) And nobody, you know, it's very hard to get engagement across a long enough period in that. So it's interesting. And, and, and Bill, I'm curious about an element of this too, where, um, as a record label, you know, you're pushing, you're pushing albums at one point, then maybe you're pushing singles at another. And now you're almost pushing concepts and platforms too, in a way, like, um, it's a whole different way of thinking about how to, uh, market and monetize music. And I'm curious, you know, how you guys feel about kind of engaging at the, at the platform level. I mean, at a, at a music company, I mean, really what your, uh, your role is, is how do you bring the music to the people? How do you connect the artists with the fans? Um, and that, and you know, this is a new way and there's some, uh, things that we need to do in terms of building some infrastructure to support it. But that's the reality. That's what we're um, here to do. We're here to support our artists, their vision, um, and how they can interact and engage with their fans. And, um, you know, so we're in the process of kind of building out that infrastructure to support it um, and finding a way to, to do that in the most uh, effective way. Hey, Dave, I want to ask you a question since you're still rolling out in beta, um, the, the app you're working on, Song AI. How important is it for you to have access to catalogs of artists with household names? Because I've seen this is kind of a dilemma for startups. They've got a great concept for a way for people to interact and engage. 
but sometimes it's hard for them to get traction unless they have those artist names and songs. So I, I think for us, for what we're trying to do, I think it's critical. Uh, I mean, as we introduce an audience to an experience that's brand new, I think it's helpful for us to provide well-known songs as familiar points of reference. Um, I think it's, there's also, um, there's a lot of room at that table uh, for artists that are marketing direct to fan as well. Um, but in terms of introducing um, a, you know, a new platform for the you know, audience to participate you know, in the sort of ongoing like, conversation between the artist and the audience, um, I think it's really helpful to have you know, hit songs uh, for people to see as sort of examples of what that might look and, and sound and feel like. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting that you're here on a podcast with Universal Music about this too, because I feel like there was a moment in time where there were startups with lots of ideas, but there was not an easy way to engage with some of those you know, major label or even larger indie label content. So credit where it's due. Um, this is actually a conversation that I started with Universal talking about you know, interactive. And before we were even thinking about multi-track, just sort of the implications of using, um, you know, algorithmic composition and, you know, new methods of analysis to create new kinds of interactive experiences. Uh, this was a conversation we started in July, 2012. Um, and they, to their credit, you know, were, um, you know, interested. Um, I think, you know, there were initially some concerns around it, but uh, I think as, as, as the conversation has gone on over time, um, you know, we've developed some, uh, you know, some mutual understanding. And there's, I think there's genuine goodwill here. And they're genuinely trying to work with us to deliver the fans something that's holistically brand new uh, that also provides a way for them to continue to sell more music. Yeah, that makes sense. Frank, you've kind of been in the marketplace the longest of, of the apps on the, on this podcast. Um, I'm curious, where do you see this going in the next year or so? Well, I, I think that, you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, fantastic products coming through, like, you know, the, the three that we've got on this, this podcast, I think. Uh, and I think, you know, just to touch a little on, on the marketing side of things, I think you know, stems can, um, you know, open up a lot of opportunities on the marketing sides for label. You're able to talk about a piece of recorded music in a different and a new, uh, engaging way. Um, you know, for us, the obvious thing to do is a remix competition, but also like we've actually done in the past, we've done a stem by stem release where the fans, we engage the fans on a poll on a fan side where they actually voted on uh on which stem we were to release the very next day so that was that was a lot of fun to create a lot of engagement but i think you know for us uh as a platform i think obviously saving and sharing is you know something that's you know bound to to become a feature sooner rather than later i think uh people want to show their create creativity so you know the, the the users would you know for some of these platforms i think you know being able to share what they've done on social media will become a big thing and um 
it'll be interesting to see. But uh, what, what's what's fantastic also is that we've you know worked with the labels for quite some time. Like Dave said, you know, some of us have been in this space since 2012, and 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 I think the good news is that there's a there's a will from from the labels to engage with companies like ours to kind of you know build the, the the future of music yeah this is interesting i feel like we've just barely scratched the surface <laughs> and uh um the cool thing is that all of you are going to be at music tectonics october 28th and 29th in la um bill you've kind of pulled together what might be our playground at music tectonics where people can actually interact and try this stuff out which is exciting i'm i'm, I'm super pumped you decided to put that together um, before we wrap up, is there anything that any of you have that you want to share that we didn't touch upon, um, either in terms of how this works or where things are going? Uh, Bill, anything you want to add? No, I just think um, your kind of plug there at the end for those coming to Music Tectonics, you can have an opportunity to play with these apps and really see what they're about. Because I think once you play with them, and it doesn't take long, you, re- you recognize the potential um, immediately. So we look forward to seeing uh, people there engaging with the platforms. I was going to say one other uh, quick thing just to, you know, in terms of like the implications here, it's sort of, I sort of see as sort of the elephant in the room, you know, the, all the different ways of enabling people to express themselves in ways that, you know, they might not have otherwise. Um, and, you know, I, I see Instagram and YouTube and so many other platforms as being perfect examples of what happens when you enable people to express themselves through photo or video or whatever. And I think there's this enormous opportunity present for the same sort of thing to happen with music awesome and dave you're also going to be on our um ai's got talent which is our talent show at music tectonics where we instead of getting into all of the controversies of ai as the beginning point and how it's used in creating music we actually have folks that have apps um, that use ai to create music demoing what they do so we've got you alongside boomy and Amadeus Code, we're talking to one more company um, about jumping into that. That'll be emceed by Danny Deal, the music technology journalist and DJ and producer from uh, The Verge. Um, I guess I got that wrong. She's not a DJ at The Verge. She's a journalist at The Verge. She's a DJ on her own. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, she might be. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. She does. She also has a YouTube series. Um, uh, the future of music. So that should be fun. A, g- a good way to jump into that conversation. We've got our blockchain cage match, uh, emceed and re- actually refereed by Arabian Prince from NWA. Lots of great stuff happening at Music Tectonics. And I'm so glad, Frank, Sarah, Dave, Bill, f- that you were able to join us on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Great. And I'm looking forward to seeing all of you at Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you'd like to find out more about Music Tectonics, go to musictectonics.com. If you go to the conference page and sign up for the newsletter, you can get a $50 discount on the badge. So excited you've been listening, been getting great feedback. Um, You guys aren't going to believe this, but my favorite social media platform is LinkedIn. I think it's super sexy. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know your plans to come to the conference and keep listening to Music Tectonics. You're listening to Music Tectonics.